morning, church. Love and unity. Love and unity right now, they honestly kind of seem like things that are they're hard to come by. It's one of those things where we can look around and we see what's happened over the course of really the last month from people only looking out for themselves to the divide between should we open, should we not open, uh, should we shut down, should we not shut down, is this a hoax, is this real, who is the Antichrist, who is not the Antichrist, and all this situation, where did this start, where did this not start, to an innocent young man getting gunned down the street, and then to another tragedy that we all saw this past week as, a, as another African-American man was killed at the hands of, of someone that allowed a situation to turn out in a way that it never should have turned out. And when we come to a place like a church and we come to, okay, we're the body of Christ and, and we're supposed to be defined by things that are differently and we're supposed to do things differently uh, and being a part of a church like MCC, a church that actually is uh, racially diverse, uh, as a pastor, man, I have felt like I am way out of my league but I'm not going to let my inability to feel like I can truly walk into a situation, understand a situation fully, keep me from actually speaking into a situation. And so today, what I want to talk about is a storm. And a storm that, that we actually see a guy, the Apostle Paul, go through. And I think it's fitting that this is what we're going to diving into. Because there are some people watching this today, and you feel like you're in the middle of a storm. And honestly, you're going to have some things in common with this story because the storm isn't just something that, that happened now. It's actually been something that's happening for a long time. For those of you who are watching this, especially to those of you who are watching this who are people of color, I want to say to you, your life matters. Your life matters. Your, your life truly does matter and for those of you who may be in the back and you're kind of sitting there going no 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 all lives matter yes unequivocally all lives do matter but there is a demographic of our society there is a demographic even within our our body of believers who feels like and goes through seasons where they feel like does my life actually matter and we go through ebbs and flows where there are times when the whole society shows, hey, yeah, your life does matter. And we, and we love black culture, but sometimes it doesn't seem like we actually love black people. And, and so I want to tell you, your life matters. We need you. And again, as a guy who, again, from, for some reason has been chosen by God to lead not some lily white church, but an actually diverse church, I, I want to say to you that, that we need you, that you matter, and that we're sorry. We're, we're sorry that things are the way they are, but I refuse to lead a movement that stands idly by, that doesn't address it, that doesn't use its voice to push back against the darkness that you feel in a different way than I feel. And so what I'd love for us to do as we're all gathered around together, as you're tuning into this, I'd love for us to just take a second in the midst of all the things we've allowed to be input over this past week, whether it be 
toxicity on social media, whether it be uh, us fuming over what we see people doing to things like a CNN center and a college football hall of fame and, and all the things that we saw on the news. What if we as God's people took a second to press pause and say, actually, the most important thing that I could tune into today is not to hear me talk, but to tune into something that is actually inspired by the word of God. Like if there actually is a God and he is actually speaking, what I want to tune in to hear what he may have to say through his people today. So let's pause, let's pray, and let's dive in to what God has for us today. Let's pray together, church. Father God, I pray that we would silence our hearts before you. That we would allow those same hearts, now that they're silenced, God, to beg of you to actually make them tender. To say, God, would you tenderize my heart so that the same things that affect you on a heart level would begin to affect me. Would the same things that you feel like are disgusting to your heart be the same things that are disgusting to mine? Holy Spirit, would you put us more in tune with you than maybe we have ever before? Father, there are many around me that are hurting. And Father, I pray maybe that our hearts would be able to bear the burden of some of that hurt as we come alongside, as we stand beside, as we uh, lock arms as, as much as we can do without fear of sickness, that we would gather together, Father, to be your church, to be used by you. In your name, Jesus, amen. And today, as I said, we're going to be diving in to the book of Acts again. We're continuing our series, Unstoppable. And today, as we dive in, we're going to be talking about this storm. And, and for you, uh, you've obviously experienced a storm in your life. And if you haven't experienced a storm in your life, you're, you're going to. Uh, in life, we're either uh, headed out of a storm, going into a storm, or we're currently in the dead middle of a storm. And wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, I pray that today's message can actually give you hope in the midst of the storm. Oftentimes in storms, we find ourselves going, God, why did this happen? Why is this happening? Today, one of the things we're going to get to figure out is what does a man of God, what does a, a, someone who is trying to follow after God, what do they do in the midst of a storm? So if you've got a Bible, you can go to Acts chapter 27. I'm going to catch you up a little bit. There's this guy, the Apostle Paul, and what the Apostle Paul has been doing is God has radically changed his life. He has went from being someone who wanted to murder and wanted to kill Christians to someone who actually was a Christian. Like the most apologetic example of how God can take a human life and radically change them is the Apostle Paul. And now he's on this mission to be able to go and spread the gospel around the world. But again, there's opposition to his mission. And because of that, he's essentially become a captive. And he's having to go set sail. And, and this is where our story picks up as he's being pretty much transferred from where he was back to Rome as they start to sail. If you got a Bible, we'll pick up in Acts 27, verse 9 and 10 is where we're going to start. This is what it says. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous by now. And it was after the day of atonement 
So Paul warned them. Again, Paul's speaking up. He's speaking into what's actually going on. He says, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and even to our own lives. So, and again, don't miss the fact that Paul is at the onset of their voyage here saying, if we go through with this, it's going to kill us. Because what happens is Paul, in the midst of a storm that we're going to get to see, he goes from, I'm going to die if I get on this boat, to my God is going to allow me to live even in spite of this boat. And I want you to journey with me as we see what actually happens in the course of that. See, there had been much time that had been lost as they had been journeying to get to the place where we're actually going to pick up today. And they had been continually bumping up against a different headlong wind. In Acts uh, 27, 11, again, Paul, he comes and he tells them, he says, hey, listen, it's a terrible idea for us to sail right now. Essentially, they had got too late into the season to where it had gone from dangerous to sail to actually suicidal to sail. In 27, 11, it says, but the centurion, this is kind of the person who's in charge of the thing, instead of listening to what Paul said, he followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship, which again, that kind of makes sense. You're, are you going to listen to the pastor or are you going to listen to the pilot? If you're trying to get, take a ship somewhere, you're going to listen to that guy. But Paul, again, one of the things you got to know about him in this moment, in this story, he represents the presence of God. As we've talked through all the stuff, going through the whole book of Acts, one of the things that you've got to understand is when you see people in the story, when you see the men of God in the story, whether it be Philip, whether it be Peter, whether it be Paul, and no, not all these guys' have, names have to start with P, but when you see these guys, our tendency is to go, that person is the main character in the story. False. The main character in all these stories, whether it's Paul, whether it's Peter, whether it's Philip, whether it's anybody else, the main character behind all of those characters is the Holy Spirit. And so Paul on this boat, he represents the Holy Spirit. And one of the first lessons we learn through going through storms is when you're in the storm, do not listen to your emotions, listen to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we should steer by. Now again, I, I know for us right now, this is a season where emotions are all over the place. Like Jessica and I were at Aldi on, on Friday, and man, both of us wanted to just, just karate chop this lady just straight in the pharynx, like just boom, right there, because of how rude she was being to the lady at checkout. And then and, and, and like emotions are all over the place right now. And, and you're experiencing the emotions that you're going through on a whole different level. And what I want to encourage us all to do is if we claim to be people of God to not allow our emotions to steer our lives but to allow the Holy Spirit to steer our lives based on everything we do we say and we post allow the Holy Spirit to steer what we're doing 27, 13, 14 we'll pick back up the story so they don't listen to Paul they go and listen to what happens in verse 13 it says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. And so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Verse 14, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the northeaster swept them from the land. Now I want to I dive back into something right there in verse 13. It says, a south wind, a gentle, a gentle, or just a peaceful, gentle south wind began to blow. Now, the NIV, if you're reading it in there, and that's what we had it in here, but I, I, it's actually kind of a weak translation for that word that you see there when it says that they saw their opportunity. So they took this gentle wind, again, Paul saying, hey, this is suicidal if we sail right now, bad idea. They say, oh, we got on the boat, 
we got a gentle south wind, things are good. It's actually kind of a weak, weak uh, translation where it says opportunity. The, the Greek word that's actually used right there is the word prothesis. I want to read to you what it says in the NIV, or in the ESV, that was the NIV. Acts 27, 13. It says, now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose. See, what happened is as they go out, as they are directly disobedient to how the Holy Spirit was kind of leading them through the Apostle Paul saying, hey, this is a terrible idea, they get this gentle south wind. And they think that because they feel that south wind, they have obtained their purpose, which is exactly how sin works. You've experienced this. You, you've done that thing. You, you've committed that sin. And at first, you had this gentle wind still at your back. And it felt good. The relationship seemed to go deeper. The uh, economy and what the business principle side of things, the bank account may have gone up. You may have got more notoriety because you shared that gospel. But now you have more people coming to you. You felt the gentle south wind of sin blow on you. And some of you, maybe that's what you're feeling right now. And I want to encourage some of you who are feeling the gentle south wind, like you've committed the sin, the sin and you feel the gentle wind right now. It is not too late to turn around because the same thing that we see happen here can happen to you. Here's what it says. Verse 14, before very long, every single one of you listening to this, you have a before very long you continue to go in the path of sin, there is always going to be a before very long. Before very long, there was a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster, and it swept down the island. Verse 15 says, the ship was caught by the storm, and they could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it and were driven along. If you got a Bible, you're underlining, you're highlighting in the Version app, I, I encourage you to highlight, write, underline those two words driven along I want to talk to you about driven along and I want to ask you a question what is driving you along see in life there are so many things that just happen to us maybe it's a lustful thought that comes our way and and we just let it take us along maybe it's a sense of panic or fear and it comes our way and it just carries us along we just go with it maybe it's a sense of fear around our future and that comes and we just get the cycle going and it just takes us along what is it right now that is carrying you along what what is driving you along is it hatred is it, is it the need to justify yourself in the midst of everything that's actually going on See, uh, so many of us, we get so pre-consumed with everything that's happening right now, and this has been a season, man, where it has been a fear factory. It has been like everything goes around, everything that we do. We're, we're also paranoid about everything. We're, we're drinking bottles of, you know, uh, rubbing alcohol, to, like just from the inside out, Jesus, just cleanse me, you know, body spray, Lysol. We're just doing all these things because we're afraid. Treating people different. Talking about people here's what I want you to understand there is a fine line between precaution and paranoia and when we get into the place 
where we are completely driven by fear, where fear is the thing that is carrying us along. I want you to understand this and write this down. Fear will lead to paranoia, but faith actually leads to precaution. And, and there again, there's a fine line between those two. Think about it like this. Faith, it leads you to the place where you're actually precautious, which means you see and you know something about who God is. I'm having faith and this is who God says he is. And so I'm going to be precautious and I'm going to purposely choose to make a future choice about how I'm going to address something. But then when you think about paranoia, see the problem with paranoia is, is, is that fear can lead to that paranoia. And what paranoia is, it is an echo chamber of our fears. Where fears become more fears and fears become more fears. And I want you to understand that the, the, the spirit inside of you, it's what wants to lead you. Fear will come in and if you let fear steer, it is a, without a doubt truth. It's going to take you somewhere that you do not want to go. And for some of us, when we talk about this idea uh, of being driven along, some of you, you had been being driven along way before coronavirus. You already had a whole list of things that were coming against you. Way before racial tension, you already had things that were driving you along. And as your pastor, I just want to say that I hate that for you. I, I hate the fact that you feel like you're under a dog pile of fear. I hate the fact that you're under a dog pile of stress and tension. And just when it seems like things were okay there for a little while, the storm came. And I hate that for you. But hear me saying this, you do not have to go through this alone. One of the things that's, that's awesome when you read through um, this, this passage in Acts chapter 28, is one of the th or 27, even 28, you see this. One of the things that you see that, that you, you pick up on is that there's a subtle shift in the pronouns that are used. Again, the, Luke is a doctor, and Luke is a guy who is writing the whole account of Acts. And what you see is there's this shift in how he is talking about what is going on. He, he went from talking about what other people were doing and they were saying, he's doing that, he's doing that, and they're doing that. And what you see here happening is this shift happens. And what is actually happening is Luke is now on the boat with Paul. And so I want you to understand now that, that, that you don't have to be on the boat in the midst of a storm together. That the very same person who wrote this, who went through the storm, who, who in a second is going to quote the Apostle Paul, this was something that them as men of God were in together and I want you to know that that is what is available to you. We are in this with you and we want to help however we can. If you have prayer requests and you can put those down in the comment sections below. If you have ways where you can uh, need, need help, we want to be able to meet those needs. You can send uh, me a personal DM on Facebook. You can send us emails. We want to help however we can because I know that this isn't the first time and this isn't something incredibly new for a lot of us. We've already felt blown along verse 18 and 19 we see what they do in the midst of their anxiety and panic verse 18 says we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard 
So they're, they're, they have, you know, essentially their, you know, the boxes and the different things that's on board, their, their supplies and, and their sustenance, and they're actually just taking that. The storm's so bad, they're getting rid of all that. Verse 19, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle aboard with their own hands. So don't think they're trying to go fishing here. We're not talking about Rapala jigs and, you know, worms and, and bait. We're, we're actually talking about everything that would be used to steer the boat is now being thrown away. So like the hope of actually being able to kind of navigate where we would go, like that's gone. And so we're just at the wind's mercy. And what you see actually happening here is they get rid of everything that is not essential. And so my question to you what is what non-essential things in your life do you need to throw overboard? Like you, if you're in the midst of a storm right now, like the time to have frills, the time to have all these peripheral things in your life that you're trying to keep spinning along and continually being concerned with, the time to get rid of them is in the midst of the storm. Some of them, you never needed them in the first place. Some of you, in the midst of the storm that you're in right now, there's a relationship that you need to throw overboard. There are some things that you are, are watching and reading that you need to throw overboard. Now, let me just be honest with you. As someone who, who has also struggled with, you know, how this season has affected my emotional and mental health, man, if you are there and you're, you're suffering from anxiety, you're suffering from depression, like, throw the apps away. Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Those things are non-essential. For the sake of your heart, for the sake of your mind, Throw them overboard. In verse 20, we see what happens next. In the midst of the storm, 27, 20 says that when neither the sun or the stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. What you see here in this passage is when you go from verse 18 to verse 20 is you see an illustration of the progression from anxiety to depression. You see the angst, you say, oh my goodness, oh, we gotta control this, we gotta throw away the tackle, we gotta throw away the cargo, and, and that's the anxiety portion. But then, once you do all the things that you thought you could do and the storm doesn't change, you find yourself giving up hope because you've done everything that you could do. And that's some of you. You feel like you've done everything that you could possibly do. And what I want to tell you today is when you finally come to the end of your rope, that is a great place for God to tie in. And this is what we are getting ready to see happen in the story. And, and hear me on this, man, what was going on in the midst of their storm? They said they couldn't see the moon and they couldn't see the stars. But I want to ask you, was the moon and the stars still there? The answer is without a doubt, yes. But there was cloud coverage. They were in the midst of a dark and stormy sky, and so they couldn't see through. In the same way that the sun was still there for them, the S-O-N, sun, is still there for you. He's not going anywhere. In the midst of the storm that you're in, he sees you. My prayer is that, that, that you would take eyes off of the water, eyes off the wind, eyes off the waves, and you would look up, because he's there. So don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. In 27, 21, we see the tide begin to change. Verse 21 says that after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, 
you should have taken my advice. Pause. That's a, that's a good coffee cup from coffee cup quote for Mother's Day right there. Men, you should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. I love the leadership lesson that we see from the Apostle Paul here. In the midst of all this, now again, Luke has been accounting and recording everything that's happened here. And I think if Paul had stood up earlier and, and kind of had tried to give a rah-rah captain speech up until this point, I think Luke would have genuinely added in. But again, remember how the story started. Paul's on the dock going, fellas, if you get out there, you're going to kill us, you're going to destroy the ship. And so Paul, up until this point, I believe, has gone, yeah, we're probably going to die. And then we see how his countenance begins to change. He stands up and he begins to speak up and he encourages the people that he's on the boat with. And man, this is a perfect time to us to lean into who we are as Christians because now is the exact same time. Is it time for us to stand up? To stand up for what is actually right and pure and true. It is time for us to actually speak up. And again, you got to be careful here. It's speaking up about the right things in the right way. For instance, if on your social media accounts, the first thing that you ever posted about anything that had to do with what has transpired over the course of the last two weeks and all of the racial injustice that has happened over the course of the last two weeks, the first thing you posted was tied to your outrage about looting and riots. See, guys, there were some things that actually happened before that. And if that was the thing that got you to pull the trigger to actually voice an opinion, then I think you may need to take a consideration of whether the things that are actually on the heart of God are the things that are on your heart. Because there were some things that broke his heart that happened way before people broke windows at the CNN Center. And my prayer is that we, if we're going to speak up, now again, if you're confused about what to say and you don't have anything good to say, do like your mama said and keep your mouth shut. But if you're willing to speak up, make sure you're speaking up about things that are near and dear to the heart of God. Not things that are tied to your heart as an American, as a patriot, as a Republican, as a Democrat. I'm going to speak up, but when I speak up, let me speak up about things that are close to my God's heart. Because those are the only things worth speaking up about. Those are the only things that will make a difference in any of this. So we see Paul speak up and he encourages them. And I want to encourage you. And in the same way, I want you to see why Paul actually took the time to speak up. And what led him to finally get to the place where he would stand up and do this. Look at verse 23. Verse 23, it says, Last night, an angel of the God whom I belong to and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given to you the lives of all who stand with you. See, Paul, he stands up before these men. And he had every right to go, Fellas, I told you so. 
I told you this was going to happen. You guys are idiots. And, and I don't know how many of you, you're kind of like me, you've been in a storm before because of someone else's dumb decision. And please don't look across the living room at your spouse. Do not do that. But we've all been in those. And Paul chooses not to get caught up in whose fault it is, what the reason is. He chooses instead to get caught up in what God had revealed to him. And I love how he starts out. Look at some of the words he says. He, he quotes, he says, this is how he leads. He says, the God who I belong to and I serve. So Paul leads into this going, I know whose I am and I know who I am. And then he says, this God showed up and he said, you're going to make it all the way to where you need to go. You're going to find your feet on Roman territory. You're going to Rome. It is going to happen. It is going to happen. And I love that he said he stood beside me. Because the thing I love about God is God is not just the God of my past. He's not the God who's just out there in my future. God is literally the God who is beside me in the midst of the storm. And he is right beside you as well. We go on from here to see what happens next. And in 25 and 26, Paul leans into these men. He says, keep up your courage, for I have faith that it will happen just as he told me. And then verse 26, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Like, he said, it's going to happen. But this boat, fellas, this boat is going down. In the midst of the boat going down, Paul continues to tell them. And I love what he says, the words here, man, he says, keep your courage up. Keep your courage. He says it twice. And again, anytime a preacher says anything twice, that's important. Keep your courage up, men. The boat is going down. And so the question we begin to ask here is, it's okay, if in the midst of my storm, in the midst of my confusion about why in the world this happened, how can I keep my courage up while my boat, my situation is going down? Here's how. If you're taking notes, write this down. You need to separate your courage from your conditions. See, if your courage is only tied to your conditions, then as soon as your bank account starts to go down, then your courage goes down. If your whole amount of courage is tied to the condition of your marriage, then when your marriage is relationally on the rocks, then your courage is down. If your acceptance or your approval by the people around you, that is dropping, those conditions are going down, then your courage, your ability to face life and face what God may be taken into, those things are going down. And so we, if we're going to be people of God, we have got to allow our courage to not be contingent on what the conditions of our life are. Whether that's COVID conditions, whether that's racial tension conditions, we have got to be encouraged in knowing, man, the God of all courage is in me. And I love this, that's what Paul says. He doesn't say, hey, you guys, everybody, listen, the angel showed up to me and said, hey, Paul, you need to start praying for courage. If you just get some courage, everything's going to be okay. What he said is, guys, keep up your courage, which to me says that I don't need to ask God for any more courage. That all the courage I could ever need when the Holy Spirit comes into my life, fills me up, that I have the ability to have every bit of courage I need. But it's on me whether or not I'm going to allow that courage to stay up or that courage is going to plummet. And Paul knew what I have come to learn, and I, I hope you're willing to come to learn too, is that the only way that that courage is going to stay up it is based off of not fixing the circumstances that we're in, but actually fixing our focus onto the God who created and allowed those circumstances to be something that we encountered. 
And so while you may not be able to fix your storm, you may not be able to fix the circumstances, I know that one sermon is not going to fix racial tension. One sermon is not going to make you not be afraid to come back in here on June 7th. The deal is, though, we can fix our focus. Because here's the thing about both fear and faith. They are both fueled by what you focus on. And so you can either choose, hey, I'm going to actually focus on the things that will grow my faith, or I'm going to focus on fear, and I'm going to allow that to be able to fuel my panic, my paranoia, my anxiety, and eventually leading into a place of desperation and depression. Because I don't know about you, man, when I get in the midst of the storms that I face, I have a tendency to, like the men outside of Paul or maybe Luke, I have a tendency to put my hope in the boat. I, I, I like to put my hope in a boat. And for some of you, maybe you're watching this, you didn't realize this, but you are a boat owner. We all have these things in life that we are trusting, even in the midst of storms, in the midst of smooth seas, things that we are trusting to get us from here to there. For some of you, you're trusting in that 401k, that Roth IRA account. Man, if I can just make sure this thing is all good to go, then when I retire, it's going to take me from here as someone who's working this miserable job, just suffering it out, and then I can get there, and I'm going to be able to go collect seashells on the beach, and it's going to be great. Some of you, it's a kid. And man, if the, uh, the, uh, this kid is going to get me, th this child that I have, they're going to get me to the place where I can redeem some of the wounds of my childhood. Let me tell you, friend, and again, this is something I've walked through and I've struggled through. God did not give you a child to redeem your childhood. God gave you Christ to redeem your childhood. And so don't look for your kid to do something that Jesus and Jesus alone can do jesus is the only thing that can take us from here to there and so don't put your hope in that see paul's looking around and he's going guys listen i'm with you this situation is terrible i see what you see but i'm not choosing to focus on what i see i'm choosing to focus on what god has revealed to me about who i am about who he is and about what he's going to do in the midst of this storm which guys that is incredibly counterintuitive because I don't know about you but in the midst of every storm in my life that I face in the midst of those storms I find myself desperately longing not for like God to really reveal himself to me I, I just want to know the reasons why like in the midst of my pain in the midst of my suffering I, I want God to just go all right Trent I know this stinks but let me give you like at least three or four reasons why that I believe you can get through this and why this is happening. And like, if, if you could just see, fast forward five years, how I'm gonna use this circumstance for somebody else's good and for your good, you're gonna love it and you're gonna be okay. I think when we all go through these storms, whether it's things that are tied to current events or not, when we go through storms, we want to know why. Why, God, did you allow that to happen? Why, God, did they treat me this way? Why, God, did these things happen? And what we see here through the story of Paul going through the storm and leading through the storm is Paul says there is something better than reasons. So my encouragement to you would be the same encouragement I believe Paul would give to you to say stop looking for the reasons and start praying for revelation. 
start praying for God to actually reveal himself in the midst of your storm. God, reveal myself to you. Instead of asking, how am I going to get through? Begin to say, God, who am I to you? Would you reveal who I am to you? And would you reveal who you want to be to me? Because that revelation, guys, that is more powerful than reason. See, Jesus, Jesus understood this principle, and he showed it in a really powerful way in the story of Lazarus. See, there's this crazy story, and Jesus is tactical in this, because Jesus doesn't want you to have reasons to follow him. He wants you to have revelation to follow him. And up until this point, Mary, Martha, and even Lazarus had just thought Jesus was a guy who was really good at healing people. And so Jesus gets wind that Lazarus is dying. And Jesus chills out where he's at. He just kicks it for like three and a half days. And he lets him die. He even goes on to say, you can look it up. He says, I'm glad that Lazarus died. Like, dang, Jesus, like you're glad that a dude died. Here's the deal. Jesus will create a situation in your life to reveal who he really is to you. He engineered the whole thing. Because up until that point, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, and the whole city had only known Jesus as healer. And Jesus said, I don't want to just be healer to you. I want to be resurrector to you. And I pray that you would maybe begin to say, hey, Jesus, I'll take that revelation. I don't want you to just be some guy who can, you know, be this vending machine God who gives me what I need when I want it. I actually would rather prefer uh, prefer something totally new. Because there's a lot of things in my life that feel dead that I would love to feel back alive. Would you be my resurrection? because here's the deal from personal experience revelation of who God actually is again it's a whole lot better than reasons I'll never forget sitting at the funeral home having just preached my father's funeral I go and I sit down And what God met me with in the midst of me going, why, God? Why could this this man who him and I have had a a broken and a a distant and a confusing and even now awkward relationship for the the course of of my teenage to adult life, why is this man who who beat uh, drug addiction, who beat alcohol addiction, who beat cancer, why is this man who you were beginning to allow a relationship between him and I as my earthly father to be restored and you were starting to heal a wound, why is he gone now and why was he murdered? And I sat down on that pew in the funeral home and I wanted reason. But thank God, he did not meet me with reason. He met me with a revelation of who he was. He he worked through the circumstance so that all of the plans that we had put in place to remember my dad all went out the window and under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the person who was supposed to lead the song at the end of the message actually just completely flipped the script. I had no idea it was coming and out of left 
fulfilled came the Holy Spirit and revealed himself to me. And it was a voice of God saying, Trent, I can never give you all these reasons on this side of heaven. But son, I need you to know that I love you. I'm here for you. I have never gone anywhere from you. My love will chase you down. It will fight till you're found. I am never, ever, not, not no chance that I will ever give up on you. And though your earthly father may not be here anymore, I am going to be more of a father than you would ever imagine. Trust me. And my hope for you right now is that you will begin to trust God like never before. And misunderstand him. That you would say, God, I'm not after all the reasons why anymore. But I'm after you as my father. I'm scared. I'm confused. I can't control this anymore. Those are the things your heavenly father who knit you together in your mother's womb who had every single day of your entire life planned out from the get-go those are the types of phrases he longs to hear from you whether they're whispered whether they're shouted in anger or whether they're through tears he wants to hear them from you my prayer today is in the midst of the storm you may find yourself in that you would pray those prayers to him from a real, honest, and broken place. If you're watching this, and you want to have a relationship with this God, you want out of the storm of trying to make yourself better and trying to do good and and finding emptiness after emptiness after emptiness, and you want to find a place into a relationship with God. Friend, I can tell you unequivocally that the only way out of the storm that you are in right now is Jesus Christ. He took the storm on a cross in a place called Calvary. And he gave his life and took the whole storm of sin to its uttermost place, death and Hades, and he rose victorious over it so that you could have that life. That you don't have to work hard to get to God, but through faith, through trust, through repenting of your sins, through being baptized into his family, be able to be something new completely new my hope and my prayer is if that's you that you would pray this prayer with me today as you take a decision into surrendering your life to him Jesus we thank you that you took the true storm and you took it to its uttermost You, you rode it all the way out In the same way that when a a ship wrecks, it goes to the bottom of the sea. Jesus, you took the entire weight of our shipwrecked lives and you allowed them to carry you to the lowest of lows. But God, you exalted him to the highest of highs. And I pray for those under the sound of my voice that they would now be able to say on this side of heaven that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. And I commit my life to follow him from this day forward. Amen. If you just made a decision to follow Christ, we'd love to know about it. I'd love to personally follow up with you. There's links uh, in the description there. If you're on YouTube, the links are in that post as well. In the description of that, if you're watching on Facebook, they're out to the side of the post. I believe they're probably in the comment section even now as I speak. But my hope and my prayer is that you would take that step and know that he's with you.